0: Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message.
1: I take eyes to see. I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. And I receive supernatural debt cancellation in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Open your Bible to Psalm 103. It's good to see you tonight. Psalm 103. Look at verse 19. Psalm 103, verse 19. It's been one of our text scriptures for this series on Wednesday night. For so the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. How many of you know that God's kingdom rules over all? So we're concluding tonight the laws of the kingdom series. This is laws of the kingdom part eight. We looked in the first two weeks, Matthew four seventeen, that Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. We said, what is the kingdom of God? We said, the kingdom is his royalty, his rule, his reign, his realm. We saw in Daniel chapter 2 that his kingdom conquers every other kingdom and will break away every, it will break every other system and cause it to pass away like dust in the wind. We said in the gospels, the kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God are synonymous terms. We said the kingdom of God is the power of God, that the kingdom of God is based in supernatural power. We said the kingdom of God is also how God operates, is how he does what he does by his power. His power and ways are far above every system, and if you operate by the laws and the mysteries of the kingdom, you will operate above every system of this world. We learn from the parable in Luke chapter 16 that we should work our system. We said the people of the world, they work their system how much more the children of the kingdom. We define laws as a statement of fact deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are present. It's a principle based on the predictable consequences of an act, condition, or etc. It's fundamental truths that should direct our behavior. We said in the word, some laws are outright called the law of this or that, or other laws and principles can be observed and deduced. So we're going to look at our final law in the series in Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter seven. Start with verse fourteen. Romans chapter seven. Verse fourteen. Before we read, how do we know that the apostle Paul wrote this book? How do we believe the Apostle Paul is spiritual? He's anointed. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I think he knows Jesus just a little bit. How about you? All right. Notice what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that is good. Now then, it is no more that I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me or in my flesh. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity, the law of sin which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Some people got discouraged right there. I said, if Apostle Paul says all this, I know I have no chance of living holy before God. <laughs> but to understand that more, one of the things we've taught here again and again is that you are a tripart being. You are a spirit. That's what Paul's referring to, the inward man. You are a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind. We talked about the law of the mind. Will and the emotions. About I will to do right. But then you live in a natural body. You can't see me. You can see the house that I live in. You can see my body. You cannot see the real me. The real me is the inward man. When you are born again, it is the inward man that is saved. Your body doesn't get saved. Your body won't be saved until Jesus comes back and you get a glorified body. So Paul's explaining in the inward man, I wanna do right. But this body of mine always wants to do wrong. He called it a law of sin that is working in his members or working in his body. Now, you don't have to look at me that holy. We are all in the same situation. So, so we're going to find the law of sin, which is the desires of your flesh to you do wrong, is at work in your body. Notice he said... That the law of sin is trying to take him into captivity. The law of sin is trying to work in your body to enslave you to do more sin. So now that you have addictions and habits, so it's not just one wrong action, now it's an addiction and a habit. That is what the law of sin is trying to do in your members. But notice he said that the law of sin in his body is at war or battling against the law of his mind. Now the law of your mind is whatever mentality you have created for yourself. The law of your mind is whatever mentality you have created for yourself. So he asks this question, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Verse 25, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, or I thank God it is done through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. But how does Jesus deliver us from this body of death, from the law of sin, how does he deliver us in this life if our spirit is saved, but our flesh still wants to do crazy things? Romans chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So the law we're going to focus on tonight is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The way that the Lord delivers you from what your body wants to do is through the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The way that you're delivered from the law of sin is the law of the spirit of life In Christ Jesus. This is the law or the principle of the Holy Spirit, because the spirit of life is the Holy Spirit. It's the principle of the Holy Spirit in the anointed one, Jesus, and his anointing. That's what Christ means. This is the law of the operating of the Holy Spirit and his power in your life. This is a law of the operating of the Holy Spirit and his power in your life. This is a law of the operating of the Holy Spirit and his power in your life. But how does it operate? Verse 1 of the same chapter gives us a clue. For those who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That word walk after the same word we looked for, walk, this past Sunday. It means to live in, to stroll in. It is simply following the leadings and the promptings of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit through your recreated spirit is always leading you in the path of freedom. The Holy Spirit through your recreated spirit is always leading you in the path of freedom. He is leading you in victory over sin and death. Notice it says it made you free or liberated you from the law of sin and death, not just the law of sin. The law of sin and death is simply this the wages of sin is death. The law of sin and death is the wages of sin is death. Sin will produce death. Sin will bring death. And as we know, and we looked part Sunday and before, it's not always immediate, it's a process. Most people get deceived because they they do something wrong, and it doesn't catch up with them immediately, so they keep doing it. Then one day it runs into them. Sin did produce, but it took a while to bear fruit. The law of sin and death is the wages of sin is death. This is the law that is working in the world in conjunction with the curse. This law is at work throughout the entire world. No matter what country you go to, this law is at work. It works in conjunction with the curse, and the curse is the empowerment to fail. The curse is the empowerment to fail. This law came into existence for humanity when Adam sinned. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world or sin death entered into the world. And in that sin was the death. And in that sin was sickness. In that sin was disease. In that sin was depression. In that sin was poverty. In that sin was every evil and cursed thing you can think of. Inside this law are all forms of evil and the curse. The law of sin and death includes all the effects of sin, All the effects of the curse and all the works of hell. The law of sin and death is also pushed forward in this earth by demonic power. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now it works this way: both laws are in operating right now. One's a law of the kingdom, one's a law on the earth. How many of you believe in the law of gravity? If you don't, I don't know what to say, but we believe in the law of gravity. You believe if I were to walk up these stairs and walk off this stage, I'd go down to the ground. If I began to float or to fly, most of you would leave the room. Some of you would take out and try to take a Snapchat or do something with Periscope or Facebook Live. But most of you would be out the room because you believe in the law of gravity. And if I began to fly, you like, you're not an X-Men. Something's wrong with you. But how many know people fly every day in airplanes? Did the law of gravity disappear? No. Greater laws were introduced. The law of lift and thrust. Gravity never disappeared. Because if the gas ran out in that plane, people would remember gravity still exists because it would have to come back down. But as long as lift and thrust were in operation, gravity had been conquered. For the believer, the law of sin and death didn't disappear. But as long as you operate by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, you will rise above it. Because it's a greater law. Law sin and death is all throughout the earth. It affects everybody who lets it. But it doesn't have to affect you. It doesn't have to come into your house. As long as you operate the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So how do you operate this law? Go to Romans chapter 12. Notice what we read in chapter 7, that Paul said the law of sin was at war with the law of his mind. It was only at war with the law of his mind because what he thought was an, op- an opposition to what the law of sin wanted. For most people in this world, and sadly tons of believers, if the, their law of their mind is not a law of righteousness or a law of the word, it's the law of their flesh. So their mind is not fighting what their flesh wants to do. The mind is siding with the flesh. Why? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You will only be able to do this by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And be not conformed to this world. The law of sin will cause you to be conformed to this world. But be ye transformed Formed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that you may show what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You must renew your mind to the word of God. That's number one on how to work this law. You must renew your mind to the word of God. What is renewing? It is a renovation. You can watch all those renovation shows on TV. They show how messed up the house is. They show how jacked up it is on the inside. Then they come in, take all the messed up stuff out, remove all the roaches, all the decay, and put in the new stuff that people value. That is a renovation. That is a renewing. Once you're born again, you must renovate your mind. You can't think the same way you did before you were saved. If you do, you will get the same results you did before you were saved, even though you are saved. If you do not change your mind, you'll still get the same results as the world. Notice you will be transformed or transfigured is what that word is also translated, if renew your mind. All the other time the word transform is mentioned, it's talking about when Jesus was transfigured by the glory of God on the mount. That he was walking with Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden when he began to pray, the glory of Jesus came out of his spirit and transformed his body. And he began to shine. His clothes changed by the glory of God. His appearance changed by the glory of God. It shocked the three disciples. And at the same time, Moses and Elijah showed up to talk to him. The glory gets so strong, Peter and James fall out under the power. They come to, they see this conversation. Peter doesn't know what's going on, so he just starts talking. It's normal Peter. And he says, hey, Jesus, good for us to be here. Let's build you each a building. Let's build you a building. Let's build Moses one and Elijah one. And as he was talking, the glory cloud of the Father came over the mountain. And it says, they began to tremble as a cloud covered the mountain, and from the cloud was a voice that said, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Now, what happened? Jesus was transfigured. It was the glory that was in Jesus, not the glory of the Father. That showed up later. And every born-again believer lies the glory of God. We talk about when the glory of God fills the room, it happens. It happens. Talking about the glory of God in Solomon's temple. Talking about the glory of God in the upper room in the book of Acts. But the glory of God also dwells on the inside of you. We know the Father gave Jesus glory. That's what John chapter 2 tells us. And that glory came up out of him and transfigured him. The way that glory works in your spirit, transforming your life, is by you beginning the process of renovating your mind. If you want to see that glory in operation or if you want to see the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus in operation, if you want to see the anointing in operation in your everyday life, you must renew your mind to the word of God. This is a daily process for the long haul. This is not just one time. I opened my Bible, I read a scripture, I'm good. No, this is every single day for your entire life. It's a process. You renew your mind by reading the word, listening to it, and speaking it. Reading, listening, speaking. You must put your eyes on it. You must hear it, and you must say it. Go to Romans chapter 6. You must think like the word. If you want this law to operate in your life, you must think like the word. Because even if you grew up in church, it doesn't mean you think like the word. You can just think religious. And religion is still part of Babylon. You must think like the Word. Romans six eleven. Likewise reckon, or think this way. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you want to think like the Word, Think like the word, you must consider yourself dead to sin. Because I said earlier in the chapter, sin has no power over a dead man. So if sin has no power over a dead man, sin has no power over you. You can't think, well, I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. That's an oxymoron, that's a contradiction. You are either saved by grace or you're an old sinner. Pick one. It's not both, it's either or. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God." The sinner has no choice. The sinner will sin. That's what they do. We should stop being shocked when sinners sin. Did you hear so-and-so did so-and-so? Yep, they're sinner. No big news there. But you as a believer, you have a choice. You do not have to sin. You do not have to fall short. You do not have to miss the mark. Why the next verse? For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin should have no power over you. Satan can't make you do anything. You have to think like the word. You have to start thinking and saying, sin has no power over me. I don't care if you had a bad habit. I don't care if you're addicted to a drug right now. Sin has no power over you. You must change your mindset concerning sin. Well, I just have to do it. No, you don't. It has no dominion over you. It has no power over you. Say, sin has no dominion. Over me. over me. Now, one of the things you have to realize is that your body will still try to do the wrong thing. But you from the inner man, you have to renew your mind and make a decision. I am not yielding to sin. Just like most of y'all when you drive and someone trying to cut you off. You guys don't want to yield to that person. So, like, no, 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 you will wait. Learn some patience today. You're not yielding to that. Don't yield to sin. Hebrews lets us know that there's a sin that so easily besets. It's different for every single person. There's something that you may have been fighting with since you were young. But that doesn't have to have dominion over you either. You resist it. We resist everything that Jesus bore on the cross. He bore our sin, so we resist sin. Because sin does not have dominion over us. So in order to think that way, you must lose sin consciousness. Right, Romans 8.1 says, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No guilty sentence. How many of you have been washed in the blood? Your sin doesn't exist anymore. It hasn't been covered. It has been completely done away with. So when God sees you, he doesn't see some sinful, pitiful creature. He sees you as pure as he sees his son. So you must stop thinking about, well, I'm going to sin. If you keep thinking about it that way, you're going to sin. But anytime you repent and confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins as canceling the debt and cleansing you from all unrighteousness. So you must stop thinking about what you used to do, even if it was five minutes ago. Lose all sin consciousness. If you want this law to work on a high level in your life, you cannot be conscious of your mistakes. Lose all sin consciousness. There's no condemnation for you. Not only do you not think about your sin, you have no right to feel guilty. Why? Jesus bore your guilt. Didn't He? So if you took it, you're not supposed to have it. Once you've confessed it and let it go, you don't carry that around. Oh, that'll make you humble. No, it'll make you sin more. If you want to walk in this anointing, you can't feel guilty all the time. Because what happens, guilt will grow, and then you'll create false religious unworthiness. Well, I did this so I'm not worthy to be used by God. Well, I did this so I can't receive from God. Because you're holding on to a sin conscience. You're holding on to guilt. It will kill your faith. Because then I began to convince you, well, God can't really love me like he loves so-and-so. So now you're forming your own doctrine because you refuse to let go of guilt. Jesus washed away your sin. If you washed away your sin, you can't hold on to guilt. Sin makes cowards of men. That's why when you make a mistake... You become a little more more nervous about stepping out and doing something for God. Because you begin to think, well, I messed up. God can't use me. He didn't say that. You said that. You repented. You asked for forgiveness. He doesn't remember it. Don't hold on to a sin consciousness if you want this law to work on a high level in your life. Go to Romans chapter 8 again. Consider yourself dead to sin. Think that sin has no dominion over you. Lose all sin consciousness. Do not receive any guilt or condemnation. Romans chapter 8, verse 5. For to be carnally minded or to think like the flesh, which we know in the flesh is the law of sin, is death. If you are carnally minded, it will produce death and you will yield to sin and the law of sin and death will work in your life. But they, well, verse 6, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But if you mind the things of the Spirit, it'll produce life and peace in your life. Because verse 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Let's down to verse 7 again. Because the carnal mind is at enmity or at war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So them that are in the flesh cannot please God. So remember, you can't think like sin. You can't think like the world. You cannot let your mind stay unrenewed if you want life and peace to be produced in your life. Look at verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. The spirit of God working in your life can make alive any dead part of your life. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Inside of you, right? God lives on the inside of you. A lot of times you think, oh, he can just be there for spiritual things. You're dealing with a chronic pain in your body? Start saying, well, God lives in my spirit, and he can flow into my knee, or he can flow into my back. He can flow into this organ. Stop thinking, sin conscious. Stop thinking, well, I have to have this pain because of this and that. Wait a minute. God lives in me. He can fix that. Look at verse 13. So number one, renew your mind to the Word of God. Number two, think like the Spirit. Think on the things of the Spirit, or have the mind of Christ, the mind of the anointed one, the mind of the anointing. Romans eight thirteen, for if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. He gives evidence to our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, and so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh or yield to the sin or its law. So number three is follow the leadings of the Spirit. Follow the leadings of the Spirit. Notice these bearing witness are giving evidence to your spirit that you are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. If you are an heir, something belongs to you. Right? So if your father is some rich billionaire, some king, And he leaves you an inheritance, something belongs to you. You are joint heirs with Christ, right? What does Jesus own? Everything. If you are a joint heir, not a sub-heir, not a little heir, if you are a joint heir, that means what he owns, you own. So the Spirit of God is leading you to what belongs to you. You must follow the promptings of the Spirit so you know how to get what's yours. If not, you'll follow the law of sin and try to get it, and you'll compromise to get it, and you'll lose it. The Spirit of God is always leading you in the path of freedom, and He's always leading you to what belongs to you. Remember, we talked about that last week, but being in the right place at the right time so the favor of God can work. That the favor of God is granting you opportunities, and the Spirit of God is ordering your steps so you can get them. Next, skip down to verse 22. For we know the whole creation groans and travails in pain together unto now, and not only they but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we also groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We have the desire in ourselves that we're ready for Jesus to come to glorify this body so we don't have to deal with the law of sin anymore. We're looking forward to that day for our bodies being glorified. But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience. Wait for it. Verse 26. Likewise, or in the same way, in the same way the earth groans, in the same way our body, we're groaning for redemption for our bodies, the Spirit helps our infirmities or our weaknesses or our limitations. What is this weakness or limitation? For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So what's happening? The next key, number four, let the Spirit talk through you. Let the Spirit talk through you. Pray in tongues and yield your tongue to him. Pray in tongues and yield your tongue to him. Especially when you're taking time in your prayer closet, don't just go off and rattle some tongue. Pause. Look on the inside and begin to pray. Yield your tongue to the spirit. Not just in other tongues, but also in your human understanding, in your normal natural language. Let him lead you in prayer. Let him lead you when you talk to other people. Let the Spirit of God have full expression through you. Because when you pray in the Holy Ghost, you're praying the perfect will of God. You may not know what you're praying. You don't always need to know what you're praying because sometimes you get in your own way. But if you let the Holy Spirit of God pray through you, you're praying in other tongues. God, who searches the hearts, knows what the Spirit of God is saying. And he's always saying and praying the perfect will of God. Then you get to verse 28, which everybody loves, and we know, so it's connected to what you just read. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. So it's not just loving God and being called according to his purpose that's causing things to work together for you. It's also if you let the Spirit of God pray through you. While you're praying in the Holy Ghost, there are times when you're causing parts to be lined up and come together. Let the Spirit of God have full expression through you. Go to 1 John chapter 4. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. The law of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. The law of the anointing. And what is the anointing? It is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. So if there's anything trying to bind you or hold you in your life and you operate in this law, it's got to let you go. Even debt. Even mortgages. Why? What does mortgage mean? Death, grip. First John chapter four. It's got to let you go. Why? You're not a slave to sin. Sin has no dominion over you. Sin and death have no dominion over you. The curse can't hold on to you. If you're walking this long, doesn't matter how long it's run through your family. It's got to let you go. Say, it's got to let me go. Say, I'm coming out. First John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Number five, become God inside-minded. Become God inside-minded. A lot of times when we ask Christians, where is God? Oh, he's in heaven. Where is God? Yes, he moves in church. He's in you. When you got born again, he moved up on the inside of you. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Look what verse 17 says. First Corinthians 6, 17. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. When you were born again, you were joined to Jesus. How many of you know that? If you are joined to Jesus, you are one spirit with him. We teach this for example so you can see it, that the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. But if you were to peel back your flesh, peel back and look on the inside, you wouldn't see two beings on the inside. The Holy Ghost in your spirit playing cards. You wouldn't see that. All you would see is one glorified being. Glorified with all the glory that there is. Why? The glory moved on the inside of you. You are more glorious right now than you've ever imagined. Satan knows how glorious you are. He can see it. But the question he and the demons ask, do they know who they are? As long as your mind is unrenewed and you don't know who you are, Satan will kick your tail. It'd be like a little imp putting chains on Superman, telling him what to do. You got to realize who you are. You have to change your mentality. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are more than a conqueror. doesn't matter what happened to your life, what you've been through. You are right now more than a conqueror. You have overcome everything in the world because greater is he who is in you right now. Not in the sweet by and by. Not when he gets to heaven. Right now, you are victorious. But you got to change your mind. Because if you always think of yourself as a defeated person, as a loser going somewhere to lose, as a mistake going somewhere to happen, you will always have that in your life. Even if you're born again and full with the Holy Ghost and washed in the blood. If you don't change your mind, you will lose. Flee, run from fornication. Every sin that a man does with does this without the body, but he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, who you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Make God famous in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He's only inside of you. You have a holy guest on the inside. Never forget that. Always remember, he's always with you, whether you feel him or not. We can't be so feeling conscience. Yes, we're Pentecostals. Yes, we believe in experiencing God. Yes, we believe that we can sense his spirit even in the natural realm. But we do not live by that. Whether we feel him or not, he's here. Some of the greatest miracles I've ever seen or God has used me in, I I felt nothing. I was talking to one person that came to one of our experiences, and the glory of God was moving. It was a really strong, powerful time. And they're talking about when they're praying, they didn't feel anything. I said, You remember yesterday when I was in that meeting? Yes, I felt nothing. What? But all this stuff happened. It doesn't mean I feel anything. We do this thing by faith. He said, We lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's what he said, that's what happens. He said "He step out, the power manifests. And that's what I do. It's not because I feel something. You're always trying to feel something. You'll miss it. Some of your greatest miracles are when you feel like nothing. You may not even feel saved. Come on, just because you wake up, don't feel saved, doesn't mean you're not saved. Oh, but I gotta repent again. For what, did you do anything wrong? No, not that I know of, you're fine. Stop being led by your feelings. We're in a generation that everybody feels. They said something bad about me on Facebook, so I have to sue them because they made me feel bad. We've got to grow up. got to get over it. We can't be feeling conscious. We've got to be word conscious. We have to follow the direction of the spirit on the inside. Because if you're always trying to put out a fleece, fleece, you can get fleeced. Well, God, if you want me to do it, make me feel this, make my hair stand up on my head, make this fall off the shelf and make this happen. It don't work that way. It's like that commercial. It's not how it works. It's not how any of this works. got to follow the word. He's on the inside of you whether you feel it or not. As you begin to meditate on that, you'll become more aware of his presence. Doesn't mean you feel it all the time. Sometimes you may. You'll just have a realization, oh, the Holy Ghost is up to something. He's doing something right now. There's times I come out here praising and worshiping God. Doesn't mean I feel anything. I just know he's doing something because I've become aware of him. The more you meditate and build the mentality that God lives on the inside of you, the more you become aware of his presence. Go to Second Corinthians chapter 13. I believe we're close here. So become God inside mind. Second Corinthians 13, verse 14 is one of our main scriptures for the series we did in February. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. The word communion means fellowship, partnership, participation with. It is intimate friendship. The Amplified says it this way, in the presence and fellowship, the communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Number six, stay in communication with God. It's one of the ways you practice the presence of God. Stay in communication with him. Build that friendship. Talk to him throughout the day. It's not spooky. You don't have to be a spooky person to be powerful. Jesus wasn't spooky, but he was powerful. The disciples weren't spooky, but they walked in power. Sometimes we say, well, if I have to be spiritual, I got to be mysterious. No, you don't.
0: Stop watching all those movies. Follow the book. Stay in contact with God. How do you do that? Walking through the day. Father, I thank you. You've been so good to me. Simple as that. You're just enjoying your day. Oh, Father, I thank you. This has been such a good day. This and this happened. Thank you so much.
1: Oh, the weather is so great. Thank you for that.
0: Meditate on those things.
1: Well, what if it was a rough day? Father, I thank you. You brought me through much worse than this. This too will pass.
0: It's Keeping an attitude of gratitude. It's thinking on him throughout the day. You begin to say things. Father, I thank you that you're with me. You live on the inside of me. You rest upon me. Your presence is in this place because I'm here. You said
1: you never leave me or forsake me
0: start meditating on those things,
1: thinking that way, saying those things. You're becoming God-inside-minded, and you're staying in contact with God. Your friendship, your relationship with him is growing. You begin to acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Hey, God, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You watching the news? Something happens that you don't like? Don't care or care? God, what do you think about that? So, something I should do about it? Something I should pray about? Talk to him. And you don't have to use the thus and thous and all the deep King James language. Talk to him like you talk to everybody else. Yes, you can do it with an air of respect. Yes, he's your father, but he's also God. But don't try to put on this false pretense when you talk to him. Be real, he already knows the truth. You can be real. You can wake up some mornings, you don't feel like praying. God, look, you know I don't feel like it today, but please help me because I'm going to do it anyways. Be honest. Be open. Be real. Stay in communication. You run into problems at work. Run into problems with your family. God, what should I do about this? How should I handle this situation? Okay, I just had this. What do you think about this? How did I do with that Give me a job performance review. What do you think? And let him lead you through your spirit. You must stay in communication with God. John G. Lake, great healing evangelist, an apostle of faith and healing at the turn of the 20th century, used mightily by God, was a businessman before God called him to the ministry, went to South Africa, started tons of churches, tons of converts, converts, trained tons of ministers, came back into Spokane, Washington. And he opened up what they called healing rooms. And they'd be places where people would go and he'd pray for them and they get healed. To the point that the U.S. government said one of the healthiest cities in the world was Spokane, Washington, and attributes to Dr. John G. Lake and his healing rooms. So one of the times when he was in Africa, the bubonic plague was raging. And so he was still going out ministering, preaching to people like nothing ever happened. He even helped to volunteer when it came to burying the dead. And they were looking at him and says, how are you protecting yourself from these plagues? How are you not getting sick? Everybody else is dying. How are you staying alive? He said, watch this. He went up to someone who had died, scooped the foam of the bubonic plague off their mouth, analyzed this. They put it under the microscope. As soon as it touched his skin, it died. The germs died. They documented this. They said, how did you do that? He said, it is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that just as long as I keep my soul in contact with the living God, so that his spirit is flowing into my soul and body, that no germ will ever attach itself to me, for the spirit of God will kill it. He walked in a greater awareness of it. He just walked in those things. He began to talk about the law of touch and transmission. He walked in such a great awareness of the anointing of God, if I lay my hands on it, that anointing would flow into it. He began to talk about what objects he could get the anointing to go into. So what Paul did. They took cloth, he laid his hands on it, and he sent in. people got healed and delivered. People got healed, demons got cast out. When the cloth touched them. what is it? What was on Paul, what was in Paul, went into that cloth. It was the anointing of God. Paul was aware of it. So yes, I'm sure there were times that he laid hands on it and released it, but there were other times that one commentary says that at this city, Paul was doing work because he was a tent maker by trade, and while he was doing work in that city, that he would take his turban off and lay it down there, and that was a sign that you could come take a piece and take it back to wherever you need to go. So that's the equivalent, fellas of your do-rag casting out demons. So running up, grabbing a piece of that do-rag to get someone free. Why? Paul walked in such an awareness of the anointing of God. It flowed in. You have to walk in that same awareness. You are anointed. Why? You're a Christian. If you're not, then you're not anointed. Christ means anointed one with his anointing. If you say you are a Christian, you're saying, I am anointed. You're saying you have the anointing. You have the power of God that removes burdens, that destroys yokes. You have to become aware of it. Whether you feel it or not, I am anointed. The anointing is working in me. It sets me totally free. It's setting others free. You need to talk about that anointing. You need to talk about that power of God that's working on the inside of you. Become aware of it and it'll work on a greater level. Brother Lake got it to a point where germs touched him and it died. A lot of us ain't there yet. But let it grow in yourself where sickness and disease can't form in your body. Let it grow in you that no habit can hold you. Grow in these things. God doesn't demand perfection on day two after you got born again, but He does want you to grow. He does want you to increase in every good thing. He does want you to grow in him. You have to increase. You have to come up to a higher place. And if you put all these laws we've been teaching in action, you'll come up to a higher place. It's like Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Come up here. Rise higher. Go up to another level. Going up to another level is not deep or spooky. It's just you're more mature in the things of God. You're going from just running around as children of God to the sons of God, there's maturity there. Where there's maturity, there's power, because where there's maturity, there's consistency. How many know when you were five, you probably wouldn't be as mature you are on the job you have? There's no way you've been showing up to work every day. But now that you got some age under your belt, you should be showing up to the job every day and not acting like a five-year-old. Or go, I don't feel well. Forgive me, Jesus, for lying and skipping. There should be some
0: maturity there. Where there's
1: maturity, there's consistency. Where there's consistency, there's power. You mature in the things of God. You're consistent in applying them day in and day out, not just Sunday, not just Wednesday. You will grow in power. There's levels that we haven't, tapped in. We look at these certain people like John G. Lake who got to these arenas and we think, wow, wouldn't that be great? If God raised up somebody like that again, why does not he raise you up? I study these people. Mariah Woodworth-Eder, woman of God, preacher in the 1800s. Women couldn't even vote yet and she was going around preaching. They didn't even believe in women preachers in most denominations, but she was going around walking in the power of God. Wherever she goes, she would preach. People would be slain in the spirit in her meetings to the point that it wouldn't be just someone had a, you know, Pentecostal fall. They'd be out and see visions of heaven or hell. There's reports report saying if you made fun of her or mocked her or the manifestations of her meetings, you'd fall into a trance within a 40-mile radius. And you get up because you saw heaven or hell and you repent quick. There was one documented case of these two teenage girls. They were at a party. She was in town ministering. And so they're mocking her. They say, hell, let's pretend we're at one of those meetings. And then they fell into a trance and they couldn't get them up. They called people. They called the other preachers. What's going on? It's like, oh, they'll get up eventually. They saw some visions. They never did that again. She walked in an awareness power. She walked in the glory of God. She walked in the anointing of God. She let the Spirit of God use her. There were stories of John G. Lake and Mariah were with Edder. They would ride trains through cities and people would come out of the bar and fall at the train track and repent. They didn't even get off the train because they walked in such presence it shook a city when they went through. It was one of the stories when Mariah went with Edder near the end of her ministry that she was at this worldwide Pentecostal meeting. And at that time, this false doctrine got into the church and people were always talking about it. Thousands of people were there, and so they wanted to leave the night sessions and the morning sessions to talk about this big thing. So they gave her, this mother, this general of the faith, a 45-minute time slot in the middle of the day. She said, I'll respect that. So she finished her preaching. She reached her time limit, and she was about to walk out the tent, and she turned around to all these sick people, all the diseased people, all these people in pain, and she said, Jesus lifted her hands. And they said it was like a lightning hit that tent, and everybody jumped up healed. And she walked out. She walked on another level. Talks about near the end of her life. She lived into her, either, I think her, somewhere in her 80s. She was ready to go home. She was preaching up to her last moment. She built this place where she would preach at, and her house was right next door. And so when it's time for her to preach, the ushers came and put her in a chair and carried her to the sanctuary. And as soon as her feet would touch the ground, the anointing will hit her. She'd spring up and she'd go preaching for an hour or so. And then she'd go sit down. The anointing would leave and she'd go back home. That's what she did up until she left. She walked in the anointing. The anointing can cause you to do tremendous things. You walk in this anointing, you defy your age. That's what Caleb did. He says, I'm 80, I feel like I'm 45. Defy your age. None of y'all are old. You ain't 120. You ain't old. You still got stuff to do. Walk in awareness
0: of this anointing. As you keep walking in it, it'll increase. And the more you use it, the more you grow. It's a law of seed, time, and harvest. What you sow, you will reap. So you walk in awareness
1: of this anointing, and you pray for somebody, releasing that anointing, it will increase. You keep practicing these laws... It will increase. Because we don't just need a few superstar spirit people. We just need a few. Who, we got five John G. Lakes in this generation and 10 Mariah Wolf Isn't that great? Well, praise the Lord. But there's 2 billion people in the body of Christ. And majority of them live defeated. But what if we all were to grow in this power? What could the world do? Nothing. What could
0: Satan do? Nothing. What will we be? A glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. The triumphant, victorious church that Jesus comes back for. As we said before, he's not coming on a black ops mission to rescue us from some trouble.
1: Because we pray, oh Jesus, come get us. No, he's coming back for the church that's conquered, that has done its job, that has fulfilled its mission. Now it's going on to its heavenly
0: reward. That's where we're going to. So we must grow. And how do we grow? Put these laws into practice. Amen. Amen. Stay to your, stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Go ahead and lift your hands and thank God for the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we
1: thank you for your word as it renews our our mind and tells us who we are in Christ, who we are in the anointed one, who we are in Jesus, who we are in the anointing. We thank you for the anointing that's in this place that is growing stronger each and every second, that is enveloping our bodies, that is saturating every cell, every particle in this place. Oh, we thank you for the anointing. Go ahead and thank Him for the anointing that's in this place. Oh, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you for your presence. Come on, open your mouth and thank Him. As you thank Him for Him, as you acknowledge the anointing, it'll grow, it will increase. Oh, we thank you for your anointing, sir. Oh, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your anointing. Oh, we thank you for your anointing. We are anointed. And the anointing rests on the inside of us is upon us. We thank you for your presence in this place where two or three are gathered in your name. There you are in the midst. You said you inhabit the praises of your people so we know you are here. And your presence always increases, there's always more. We thank you for the glory of God. The glory of God that's
0: in this place. Come on, keep thanking Him.
1: Keep acknowledging His presence. Keep putting the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus into action. Remember we said every law works by the law of faith. you got to open your mouth and say something. You have to acknowledge. Well, we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus is what Philemon 6 says. We acknowledge the anointing. We acknowledge the corporate anointing that's
0: in this place. Glory to Jesus. 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to Jesus. Such a sweet
1: presence of the Lord in this place. Such a sweet presence of His Spirit here to do us good. Here to do us good. For it is the presence of El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough, the all-sufficient One, who has all power, to do us all good, and He does it all the time. We thank You for Your presence, for Your anointing. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for being in this
0: place. Hallelujah Hallelujah Keep on worshiping Keep on acknowledging And pray in the Holy Ghost Oh lela la la Sing in the Holy Ghost And elela manguli rida Alela la 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 mandou le la 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 ma na ne 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 na ma kan la la ba la 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 man ni la la ma o le la la ban la 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 ma so la la man gi la la ba sa ro la ma le ma la ha
1: the presence of God just came in. You can do this all the time. You don't have to do it just at church. You can do this at your home. Oh, we worship you. You need to do this at your home. You need to do this wherever you go.
0: Oh, we acknowledge you.
1: Working, it's healing necks right now. All oh, that anointing. If that's you, just put your hand on your neck. Say, the anointing's in my neck, working right now. Hallelujah.
0: Glory to Jesus.
1: Come on. If the anointing could protect John G. Lake. From bubonic plague, why are you so worried about allergies? Don't you think the anointing can handle that green-yellow pollen?
0: (laughs) Hallelujah.
1: Come on, whatever is bothering you, just put your hand on it and confess the anointing's working in that part. Ankles are being healed knees are being healed by the anointing of God the spirit of life in Christ Jesus
0: hallelujah rise
1: above come on rise above The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus causes you to rise above. Come up higher, come up higher, go up to another level. Rise above the turbulence of earth, the turbulence of the law of sin and death, rise above. Rise above debt, rise above lack, rise above poverty, rise above depression, rise above sickness, rise above disease, rise up above pain. Rise up above family dysfunction. Rise above the curse. Now, listen to me. If you work these laws, it will not matter to you and your house personally who's elected. Does not matter. Because you are exempt from what goes on in the world. So, craziness could happen. The economy could fall apart. The nation could be attacked, but you can be preserved. It's the secret place of the Most High God. So do not carry a care about the election. Don't carry it. Cast it. Because if you keep carrying a care, you will step out of the secret place. You won't be focused on the anointing and the power of God. You'll be focused on him or her or this or that. The anointing. It's more powerful than all of that. So don't carry a care. Do not be careful. Cast every care because he cares for you. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. Pray in praise and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Glory to God. Dathan, do you got a song?
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You give me life. You give me breath. You give me.
1: Go ahead and give that tongue. Now you got it. Ah, see, when you walk this way, you walk in perfect freedom. For don't you know, don't you remember where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as you walk with me, as you follow after me, you'll always be led in the path of perfect freedom. No matter what Satan may try, he won't be able to hold on to you. The anointing will be so strong on you, it'll be like oil. He'll try to grab on and he'll slip right through. So don't fear what man may do, and definitely don't fear what that defeated foe the devil may try to do. Walk in victory. Walk in the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. For I've made you free from the law of sin and death. You are a blessed people, not a cursed people. And whom I blessed cannot be cursed. So take failure out of your mentality. Take defeat out of your thinking. Because I've called you to be blessed. I've called you to rise above. I've called you to prosper. I've called you to be a blessing. But you must renew your mind to that fact. And you must follow my leading. Because I'll lead you to the place of perfect victory, of perfect freedom. And as you walk in that place, many more will be made free. Many more will be victorious. Because they will see what you do. I need you to live this way, says the Lord. Because what I'm teaching you, others need to know. There's other brothers and sisters throughout this area that you'll come in contact with who know me, but they don't know my word like you do. But when they see you live it, it'll wake it on the inside of them, and they'll want to know more. And as you walk this way, there'll be unbelievers, there'll be heathen who don't know me. Those who are opposed to what I have to say but they'll see how you live free and they'll want to know the way. So follow after me. Follow after me because I have a plan of perfect victory. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. We receive that through tongues and interpretations. We'll do it. We'll follow after you. We'll renew our minds to that fact. We thank you
0: save me now forgive me of my sins fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life if you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart we believe you've been born again we ask that you email us at info at fccga.com that's fccga.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today have an amazing day